Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Mac Anderson of Cleveland Kitchen, a culinary brand bringing the highest quality fermented foods from the heart of Cleveland to the rest of the nation. Starting as a hobby for the three brothers to stay in touch during college, Cleveland Kitchen is now offered in over 10,000 grocery stores across the country. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Mac Anderson of Cleveland Kitchen. Mac, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely, Cameron. Great to be here. Of course. Well, I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, Where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like? Yeah, absolutely. Grew up uh, on the east side of Cleveland here in Shaker Heights, Ohio. Um, Yeah, had a a pretty great upbringing. Um, It's a a very diverse and and unique suburb with... uh, a lot of great food and a lot of that was was uh by design from my my mother she's a uh trained chef and biologist and always sought out the best ingredients for her family both mm. you know as she knew they were better for us bio- biologically but also as a chef she just wanted the fresh delicious ingredients uh for her meals and so she would drag my brother myself our older sister out to uh farm country here in Ohio, which is at least an hour outside of Cleveland. Um, She quickly tired of that and dragging us kids out there. And in 1995, when I was about four years old, started the nonprofit network of farmers markets in Cleveland, North Union Farmers Market. So uh, from about four years old on, child labor laws aside, as I like to say, Mm -hmm. uh, myself, my brother and my my sister were out there helping, um, you know, there's a lot of produce for farmers working with with uh, farmers each and every Saturday morning and really seeing small business ecosystem thrive, uh, a farm to table movement really come to fruition here in Cleveland mm. and an understanding and respect for growing for growers and uh, for food entrepreneurs. So mm. it was definitely a, a big part of our, our childhood alongside, you know, just for running sure. around playing as children. Yeah, for sure. Uh, would you say that you had an entrepreneurial mindset growing up, say, uh, helping out with your mom or lemonade stands, selling products, anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mother likes to tell a story that I think it was right around the same age. Maybe I got it from the the hawkers at the market. But uh, one Christmas after <laughs> after Christmas morning, I think it was uh, any of the toys that I really didn't love or just a couple extra things that I had. I, I set up a table and we're selling them to my friends. So it started at a very early age. And then um, in middle school, my brother had started playing. My brother's four years, my senior had started playing um, paintball in and around. And uh, I quickly discovered in seventh grade that I took apart one one of the paintball guns and, and started selling it for parts on an online forum that I saw him frequent a lot. And then that kind of snowballed into basically anything that wasn't nailed down in my house any used electronics or something i can get my hands on so built a little a little business one summer and was uh you know running running downtown as a 12 year old on the uh rta here in cleveland cash and checks getting money orders and building a small business and then uh quickly led into a a hat a vintage hat business in in college i found uh a plethora of um authentic vintage snapbacks in in detroit in mexico city and they're sorry mexican town and uh started selling them online so yeah i always had a, a penchant for selling and finding value and uh stuck with me it was always fun for me wow very cool 
I saw you ended up studying at uh, Miami University. What did you end up studying there? And then also kind of bring in the hats that you mentioned. Uh, how did that intertwine with your school as well? I uh, ended up coming back to Cleveland, working a few side jobs, and then going back um, to Miami uh, School of Business. So mm-hmm. studied economics there and, um, you know, was very excited to be at a great business school and around, you know, a lot of friends and uh, it was a great experience. Um, I'm now very involved with their entrepreneurship program, but I can't say back in school that I, I fully realized it was just more spitballing ideas and, and uh, pursuing things like my hat business with friends. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, in Detroit, my a lot of my both my parents are from Detroit. So I was with cousins uh, after spending the the night in the city going out one one day and I just noticed my my one cousin had a really really sick Pistons hat, uh, a pretty vintage cool cap and I said, "Hey man, would you would you get that?" And he said, "On your way back to school, I'll take you by. It's uh it's this great corner store in Mexican town. They have all these awesome hats and I quickly realized that as I picked up one, two, three, the price continued to go down. So mm. we ended up buying them out. I think we told them we had a school play. We were in the the drama club because they, they started to get wise. They're like, are these worth a lot of money or something? And uh, ended up, I think, netting out at about just over a dollar per hat. Wow. And um, I was going back to a, a small dorm room, of course. So I had my, my cousin uh, kind of warehouse them take photos and I set up uh, our eBay page, our Facebook page for authentic vintage caps. And yeah, we got to sell them from there. So netted out, you know, several thousand in profit. Um, wow. I think that the most expensive hat I sold was like 130 bucks for a 49ers hat. <laughs> sold Notre Dame fighting Irish hat uh, out to Germany. So yeah, it was a pretty cool little experience. Wow. Good experience as well. Yeah, that, no, that's amazing. Uh, finishing up at Miami, uh, did you end up having a job outside of school? Or I, I know Cleveland Kitchen comes in right into play right at this time. Did you end up uh, interning or do anything else in this time period? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the farmer's market was always, my mom still is the executive director. There's about 14 markets mm-hmm. today. That was always our um, summer and weekend job. Yeah. No matter where we were in the intern world, we were always uh, waking up at 5 a.m. on Saturdays and helping manage those markets but um i did intern at jones day a large multinational law firm for gosh i was there for one summer and then they made me a full-time employee uh, even though i was at school and was helping out with uh, the in the finance department i led the fixed asset overhaul of all 46 offices wow before i graduated college and then i was there for a bit afterwards um I had some some great mentors there, um, one of whom is actually uh, one of our larger individual investors from early on, but he would take me out you know, every couple of weeks with several other partners. And um, I think they were definitely, you know, hoping I would join the firm, but, uh, you know, um, they sat me down and said, you know, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? And I, I think my response was as a client on the business side. So I think they quickly yeah. knew that I didn't want to <laughs> go back to school and, and get a JD. Um, after that, I did get a Series 7 uh, license and was managing uh, portfolios for young professional friends for a lot of the young associates that I work with at Jones Day. Mm-hmm. And that also allowed me to kind of have more flexibility as we started the business to go out and make customer calls and just smile and dial on the uh, on the grocery side as well. Wow, uh, how long did you end up staying on on that side, and then and, until this time period before the Cleveland Kitchen, and then kind of intertwined into that time? 
Yeah, so um was at the law firm about three and a half years total, uh, and then was in um, portfolio management for just about a year. I Got think it. when I was pitching our first grocery store locally here, Heinen's, it's a great 24-store chain. I believe uh, my colleagues thought that I was selling them on uh, you know a group benefits policy, <laughs> but instead <laughs> I was selling them sauerkraut. <laughs> Amazing. Um, to the listeners out there who aren't aware, can you kind of uh, describe the inspiration uh, into Cleveland Clinic, uh, into fermented foods specifically? Yeah, so um, Cleveland Kitchen did start as Cleveland Kraut. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone from, you know, a lot of the Midwest has great pockets of Eastern European heritage. If you're from Cleveland, it's not necessarily my background, uh, but if you are from Cleveland, kind of classic Eastern European food, pierogi, Kielbasa, sauerkraut tends to be a, a great staple, a comfort food for us here. Mm-hmm. And so that always, you know, was around growing up. My brother was based in Richmond, Virginia. After college, he studied business statistics and um, ended up in, in banking in the southeast. And he could get, you know, great barbecue, good soul food, but he couldn't quite get that traditional Cleveland fare, that mm. comfort food of sauerkraut, kielbasa, pierogi. So he's making all those things in his apartment and just really kind of fell in love with the art of fermentation with chopping up fresh vegetables, adding salt, spices, other vegetables, and seeing what came out a couple of weeks later and, and really enjoyed the way it made him feel. Mm. He did move back to work for um, Key Bank here in Cleveland, uh, headquartered here, and was was kind of Fermenting here and there as a, as a hobby as well. Started to uh, get to know my sister's, um, you know, longtime boyfriend at the time, Luke, uh, you know, over beers as, as future brother-in-laws do. And, and they found <laughs> out Luke was also fermenting sauerkraut. And he did have, you know, very, very much the German-Croatian heritage. Uh, so they were trading tips. And actually, I was wrapping on my senior year at Miami. And they were uh, teaching me how to uh, ferment Kind of when I came back and over the phone, I'd call them for for tips. You know, my buddies, my housemates were wondering what was going on in the kitchen, what that smell was and what the heck I was doing. But, um, <laughs> you know, they loved the, the great flavor and the crunch, especially we were doing barbecues. And it was a nice uh, break from our traditional college diet that wasn't probably as good. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and so that kind of led us into, uh, you know, we knew. I, I'd come back and, and was, you know, at the law firm and we, um, we knew we could test the idea. We'd always wanted to be my brother and I, especially in business together, Luke, uh, our brother-in-law mm-hmm. and co-founder Luke Visnick. He was an architect at the time and you know, still, still holds his licenses, but, um, we did kind of, we decided, Hey, let's, let's check out the farmer's market. We've, we've seen businesses do this for, for decades. So, um, you know, Drew would pick me up. We were both downtown. Um, we change out of our suits and meet Luke at the commercial kitchen and ferment, you know, three, four nights a week from 7 p.m. till the, the wee hours in the morning, two, three in the morning, uh, a wow. few nights a week. And then we go sell on the weekends at, at any market we could get to at least two to, to four a weekend. And what kept us going in this time of, you know, heavy hustle and just a, a, a little less sleep than we were used to was the fact that um, we were really able to get product market fit to, to refine our recipes and, and mm. to get that feedback from consumers directly at the market that, you know, it wasn't just um, being placed on hot dogs or Rubens a few times a season, uh, but folks kept coming back for their favorites 
uh, for new flavors every week because, you know, just like we were doing, they were eating it on eggs, salads, wraps, avocado toast, rice dishes, you know, fish tacos. The usage occasion was really going beyond a traditional sauerkraut and more towards, you know, a fresh fermented vegetable that had great flavor and probiotic benefit. And so Mm. uh, that really excited us and, and allowed us to have the confidence to kind of all quit our jobs. We knew that, you know, we were professionals. We'd went and found a job before if, if anything happened, we could always come back. And so yeah, we poured our, our meager savings into a, a small facility in, uh, in uh, Eaton, Cleveland. And my brother, as I mentioned, was an architect. So he kind of sketched out and built out our first facility wow. um, about 1200 square feet. I still can't believe when we went to close down our sublease a couple of years ago, how, how small it was. Um, but yeah, we, we got luckily some, some crazy and, and maybe forward thinking investors at the time to, uh, to come in with us and um, launched into our, our local retailer about it after a, about a year and a half wow. in, uh, in farmer's market. So late 2015 uh, launched with, Heinz, Giant Eagle, Marks, a lot of our local great retailers, Whole Foods locally here wasn't too far behind. And and today, um, you know, we've grown out our product offering. You know, we evolved into Cleveland Kitchen. So we we are uh, the leading fermented foods platform in the nation. And wow. yeah, so we lead, lead the category in, in kraut and kimchi. And we're currently building um, some fantastic products on the, the lightly fermented pickled side and the uh, fermented dressing side so wow really excited to to bring it here and you know as a, as a cleveland kid to be able to have that impact on on employing a lot of folks here and, and spreading that name nationally has been pretty cool it's amazing i'd love to hear about something like the r d process so if a customer I, I love that you were able to go to the markets for so long get that direct feedback if someone requests a new flavor or you guys are exploring uh, a new flavor option what does that look like from your pov uh, in the kitchen yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, being brought up in a very culinary household, we were all um, definitely home chefs. Uh, my brother is—I'll admit it—he's better chef than me, but he's—he uh, he took a lot of passion to it. So he and you know Luke's uh, heritage led to our more traditional recipes, um, but but he and Luke will definitely work together both on the production side of, you know, what makes the most sense for how we can scale this product when it does mm-hmm. um, get into stores. But on the flavor side, I think that's definitely been my brother. We've been able to build a great R and D team around us, but yeah. for instance, um, our kimchi product is, is great. The other piece that, that comes in, in real handy is, is being from a, a very culinary family. My mother forged a ton of relationships with local chefs by being that farm to table source, mm. uh, as well as just kind of having um, a real interest for the space. She would take us, you know, all over the place in Cleveland. Um, you know, we've got a, a fantastic Asia town and uh, we were going to Korea house, uh, in my opinion, the best Korean barbecue in Cleveland you could get, uh, which is a great family open owned operation. And, uh, you know, since I was a kid. And so when we were developing our kimchi, we knew we had kind of parameters. We needed it to be, we wanted it to be vegan. So, so very accessible to a, a good core audience of ours that is fully plant-based mm-hmm. as well as kind of fall within, you know, what we, what we do work with on growers, which is traditional green cabbage. And so knowing those parameters, we had kind of a taste profile. We wanted to go towards, but we decided, Hey, let's go talk to our friends, uh, at Korea house, mm-hmm. um, 
in Agetown here in Cleveland. And so we worked together. We had them on as paid consultants and uh, they helped us just really refine the recipe, um, you know, bring some authentic Korean flavors. They are uh, South Korean uh, born and raised and moved to Cleveland uh, throughout their lifetimes. But it's it was really cool to not only be able to to work with the local Cleveland business, but now uh, we actually just in our last Nielsen data poll did take the number one skew nationally in all of kimchi in less than two years on shelf. So wow. for to have played a role in that and for, you know, when we launched, we did obviously big PR pushes and a lot of them did highlight Korea House. So it was cool to be able to highlight some great local chefs. But yeah, I'd say we we work with our own culinary background and then bring chefs in for feedback and, 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 and as consultants. And and now we do have a fantastic team, specifically um, Josefa, who who runs our R&D and a lot of our operations out at our West plant. Wow. Uh, is, is really strong in that area. So, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Uh, I'm sure in the early days uh, you were sourcing locally. Uh, what does sourcing look like today? Uh, are, are you guys sourcing still in Ohio or what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. We do try as best we can to get everything uh, locally. So yeah, from our pouches to, you know, our fresh shop vegetables, those are all from local vendors. Our pouches are actually manufactured right here, just outside of Cleveland. So we really reduce our carbon impact in that sense. But yeah, our cabbage in season is directly from uh, Ohio farms, typically Northwest Ohio up near Toledo. But mm -hmm. we work with a great um, partner who actually invested in us pretty early on but um cabbage inc so they are the second largest cooperative of cabbage farmers in the nation so that's small family farms wow. uh basically from michigan you know ohio of course in our season but we pull we really try to pull from our ohio farmers yep. all the way down they follow the seasons down to florida so we work with great family farms down in florida mm -hmm. you know all winter long you know as you can see behind me i got some snow snow <laughs> on the ground back there so you know cabbage definitely isn't coming in here but we we do uh they they actually core it and clean it right on the field they're fresh and we get it the very next day for processing today wow. we process upwards of about 50,000 pounds a day, um, five to six days a week. So wow. we do that that good stuff coming in fresh. It's amazing. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned some of the PR pushes in the early days. I'm curious, what's the marketing strategy that you guys kind of lean into today, especially for food and beverage CPG brand? Uh, what, what is your main marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, like a lot of emerging products or, or, or categories that you're trying to kind of bring some life and energy to, it's really about having the consumer understand how, how good it can be and yeah. how beneficial uh, for you, especially a great healthy product like fermented foods. So not only coming up with the right messaging around that mm. uh, for our PR team uh, to get out there, but also creating, you know, very delicious content that that does truly show those usage occasions yeah. as well as um you know points in time and 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 uh any kind of activation that we can do to get consumers to really try what fresh crunchy you know fermented sauerkraut and kimchi can taste like yeah um and so you know we we do that in a number of ways obviously demos activations but teaming up with great chefs um and you know getting on on great menus you know we do we work with with the likes of pf changs and and wow. um, first watch on on national rollouts because it's it's really important for us to make sure that you know every american in middle america understands how good fermented foods can be for you mm. uh, 
Yard House has a great um, kimchi uh, cheesesteak that they use for our goods on, and, and then wow. a great uh, purveyor here in the Midwest, uh, BB Bop. It's got fast, casual Asian, you know, kind of Chipotle style. Wow. Does large our kimchi, so it's 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 really important for us to get the goods out there. We do feel we have. Uh, the best and freshest tasting in the market. So to really mm. kind of change that consumer perception, uh, we also do work with a ton of dietitians and the the health and wellness um, market and industry just to, and educators uh, to make sure that consumers are really understanding that yes, you should be eating this, uh, you know, every day for your health and and mm. here's, here's all the benefits and, and what it can truly do for you, whether it's, you know, overall digestive health, you know, just total functionality and um, really actually uh, making your nutrients and more bile available and absorbing those in yep. uh, as well as there's been, you know, links recently with, with great skincare and, and depression uh, fighting with, with great uh, digestion and, and probiotics. Mm. So there's a lot that we try and do to, to really educate the consumer. Mm. I think, uh, you know, if we can, get anywhere close to a portion of, of the way that it's consumed in in you know central europe or, or korea asia mm -hmm. fermented foods are, are definitely a part of the center plate every single day mm. and if we can get the american diet there we feel that we'll make not only some great strides as a business but really more importantly uh, americans far more healthier so for sure exciting awesome uh taking some of that uh marketing and some of the feedback what, what would you say is the uh, main demographic. I know it's really for all ages. Uh, we're trying to push this diet across America, but wh what would you say from consumers today is in the main demographic from purchasing wise? Yeah, it's definitely a um, a health conscious household um, yeah. that is, you know, looking to to increase. You know, food is medicine. They are looking for for benefits beyond just taste and flavor. Um, is is a core demographic a lot of those do happen to be you know we we're lucky in that we fit across diets whether it's it's paleo keto flexitarian or, or totally vegan mm -hmm. uh we can play into those diets so i wouldn't say it's it's necessarily focused on any one of those particular diets but yeah uh, we definitely next very highly with the plant-based community being that you know all of our items are plant-based um we also do have a great demographic in um you know those who who seek out delicious just foodies in general mm -hmm. that are kind of barbecue heads they they chase after you know the the, the freshest what's the local barbecue place you're going to find what's your favorite craft beer they're also looking for for craft sauerkraut and ferments which is which is very cool mm. uh, but i'd say definitely that core demographic is is going to be a health conscious consumer who really cares about what they're putting in their body mm. um you know it's everyone from you know the mom who's looking out for their for their kids and their family's diet and just wants to add some delicious flavorful but healthy vegetables to that mm. to you know your your core crossfitter who who kind of wants to have their regimen diet and when they find a delicious fermented food that they can you know put on to in their meal prep and sunday it, yeah. it, it helps a lot so yeah perfect well i like to wrap up each episode with this uh if you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur maybe something you've learned or regret along the way uh, what would you say that would be yeah i think um you know, really, really continue to get, test and, and drive data points, whether that's anecdotally from, from getting to a market mm -hmm. to, you know, right away getting any kind of point of sale and direct store data. We were lucky that Heinen's, my buyer, turned around my screen, you know, a few weeks after I uh, 
after we launched, I went to, to sell him on a couple of new SKUs. And he told me if, if I if I had told him we were going to sell as much sauerkraut as, as we did, he'd probably slap me on the head and send me out of his office in the first meeting. But you know, he turned around the SKU and I saw all of our national competitors and we're smoking them in the data. Wow. And I, I asked him if he could send me that and he did. And so we were able to leverage that as a, a power slide. And, you know, today we obviously work with the likes of Nielsen and Spins to really bring in that full data story and, and drive on our annual business planning and, and growth opportunities. But, you know, wherever you can drive that data point, wherever you can really talk to your consumer and and see understanding how are they consuming it how are they using it what are they seeing the benefits as especially early on you can really drive towards you know once you do land on shelf or start to scale the business mm-hmm. having a great product that keeps consumers coming back week after week amazing well mac thank you so much for joining me today and to the listeners out there make sure to check out cleveland kitchen at clevelandkitchen.com hey thank you for listening to this episode of starting small if you would Leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.